In this episode of Scaling Postgres, we talk about PGCon Online, performance tips, tracking counts, and essential monitoring. I'm Creston Jamieson, and this is Scaling Postgres, episode 115. All right. I hope you, your family, and coworkers continue to do well as we still deal with the situation that's with us. But our first piece of content is Postgres 13 Beta 1 is released. And this is from PostgresQL.org. And this essentially goes over some of the release notes, talking about the new functionality that's being added, talking about different administration enhancements, security, and other highlights. So if you're interested in trying Postgres 13 before it's released, go ahead and give the uh, Beta 1 a try. The next piece of content is that PGCon, which is a PostgreSQL conference for users and developers, is actually going online this year. And from what I've seen, there is a no fee, so they say there will be no charge for this conference and everything is free thanks to the amazing sponsors that uh, have helped put this on. So if you have some free time for the talks that are going to be taking place online on the 27th and 28th, of May, as well as a tutorial day on the 26th, definitely check out this link to uh, participate in the conference. The next piece of content is Postgres tips for optimizing Django and Python performance from my PyCon workshop. And this is on the uh, citusdata.com blog. And so essentially these are performance tips. Now this is specific to Django and Python, but really the guidance applies to any application framework when I took a look at it. So they're talking about what to look for when you're looking at your logs in a development environment, uh, monitoring PG stat statements to be able to track what statements are doing, uh, how to avoid loops like n plus one queries. And again, this is specific to Django, but there's other, you're going to want to do this in other application frameworks, uh, limiting the columns return to avoid slow SQL queries. Uh, pagination tips. In other words, don't use offset and limit to do those types of queries, but specify the ordering using an order by. So if you want to get insight to all of this, this was posted at this uh, YouTube link that you can view right here to get these performance tips. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and uh, check out this post and video. The next piece of content is how to count hits on a website in PostgreSQL. And this is from cybertech-postgresql.com. Now, I thought this was talking about hits on a website, but actually, if you look at the detail, he says, suppose you want to grant a user access to a certain piece of data only X times. How can one implement that safely? So I was a little confused with that given the title. So it looks as if what they're trying to achieve is that someone wants to only allow a certain number of hits to a website, and if it exceeds it, basically it puts a limit on it or if they know if they go over the limit. So it seems to be kind of an unusual use case, but this post goes over a lot of different techniques to kind of achieve this use case that I thought was interesting and you should check it out. Now I'm not going into detail, but I'm just going to highlight some of the things that he goes through so you can get a sense of different techniques. Like for example, in his implementation of going about this, he's using a B-tree gist index because normally you can't combining binary tree index queries with a gist query, but with this extension, I believe it allows you to do it. He's using range types to be able to set some of the limits on how many clicks per day are allowed per customer ID. So this customer limit table defines the limits. 
Now he's also logging all of the web traffic. So every hit, regardless of being tracked as the number of clicks per day, he is recording all of the log entries. And then he has a log count table. So basically this is a summarization of what's in the log table by customer ID by day. And he has this counter limit. This is what is allowed for that customer. But then if somebody exceeds the limit, then this counter limit real records that. And again, he has a unique constraint on customer ID and date. And he's using this fill factor here to not fully fill the table and allow updates to happen with better performance because maybe they will be placed on the same page. Now the meat of the action takes place all in this function here where he's using this CTE to basically insert a row in his T-log table so everything will get logged in that table. But then it will try to do an insert or an update. He's using onConflict to do the update into the T-log count table. So again, a lot of different techniques are used in this use case. And where I haven't really seen a parallel to something like this, this blog post uses a lot of different techniques that you may want to check out and use some of them for your own application. The next post is SQL Window Functions Cheat Sheet. And this is from learnsql.com. And they have this uh, convenient two-page sheet. I know I don't use window functions regularly and frequently I have to look up when I want to do one and having this cheat sheet available makes a lot of sense. Uh, in conjunction with this cheat sheet, they actually go into a blog post that covers all the different items listed in it. So if you want a helpful reference to be able to remember how to do certain window functions, maybe check out this post from uh, LearnSQL.com. The next post is Essential PostgreSQL Monitoring, Part 1. This is from pg-.io. So they're going over in this part one, essentially nine things that you should be monitoring. Uh, the first is the transaction ID range, or basically what's your max TX ID. You don't want it to exceed 2 billion, of course. And they give you the code to check that. Monitoring the number of backends, and you can find that just by doing a count on the pgstat activity table. Tracking the number of inactive replication slots, because if you have an inactive replication slot, then the wall won't be archived. So that's very important to deal with these orphan or inactive slots. And he shows you the query, just query PG replication slots where it's not active. Uh, checking on backends that are waiting on locks. So again, you can see whether things are locked up by checking the PG stat activity table and looking where the wait event equals lock. Number five is uh, backends idling in transactions. You want to avoid time being spent idling in transaction, and you can check that just by looking at uh, the PGStat activity table. Checking the replication lag for active connections, so you can see how much of a lag you're running with when, you're, when you have replicas, and that's in the PGStat replication table, and you can use these to give you the write, flush, and replay lag. Tracking the replication lag for replication slots, and the last two are checking the wall file count. First of all, the number of wall files in the pgwall directory itself, and then also in the destination archive directory. And they give you for the different versions, the commands to check that. So this is a really great list of the number of things to monitor that you can get access to by simply querying uh, the Postgres system tables. So if you're interested in learning more about this, check out this blog post. The next piece of content is missing piece, failover of the logical replication slot. And this is from Procona.com. And they're talking about a problem when you have a high availability pair of Postgres instances. So you have your primary and you have a 
physical hot standby. So you're doing streaming replication to the standby. Now, if you have a logical replication enabled to another instance, the problem is what happens when the failover happens? Because there's no information about logical replication slot that's on the primary here. And if there's any delay at all with the replication, you could be missing some data once you activate the slot on this side here. So there's no state transfer of the state of the logical replication slot from the primary to what will be the failover. And they're saying, essentially, this is a problem if you want to maintain data integrity. And they talk about different designs and discuss discussions for solving this problem. Unfortunately, up to this point, and they said it's been addressed as early as 2016 in a blog post, as they mentioned here, quote, uh, there's no generic way to solve this for everyone. So essentially this problem still exists because it's been difficult for people to find a way to handle it to the satisfaction of everyone. So it's a lot of discussion, but nothing has happened as of yet. And they talk about some possibilities to address this. So this blog post is important just to bring this issue to the forefront, particularly if you're using logical replication along with a high availability Postgres pair. But even if you're not trying to operate in a high availability mode, the fact that you have a physical replica, if you're using repli logical replication, you're going to have to figure out the best way to deal with this. And they talk about a little bit about it, but it's definitely something to be aware of and to plan how you want to mitigate this potential issue. The next post, is it time to upgrade your PostgreSQL database? And this is from EnterpriseDB.com. And they go over why you should upgrade and the benefits to it. And I actually liked seeing some of the information that they presented here, particularly looking at this graph where they ran PGBench performance for different versions from 9.5 up to the current 12.1. Uh, and you could see the greater transaction performance with increasing number of clients across the different versions. Now, it's not only for performance reasons, but there are a number of other features, of course, that have been added that could greatly make your lives uh, easier if you upgrade to a more recent version. And then they also talk about what are the risks of not doing an upgrade, particularly if you're staying on an older version. And then they talked about some different ways that you can do the backup and the best and which is best suited for what. Uh, generally, I use the PG upgrade uh, for doing the databases to minimize uh, downtime. But if you're thinking whether or not you should upgrade, definitely uh, check out this blog post. The next piece of content is phony table columns in PostgreSQL. And this is from hygo.ca. Now, I don't know if I'd call these phony table columns, but they're basically talking about system columns in a table that are essentially used to manage the database. They aren't visible. And if you look here, they created a one column table in the field name they called a field. And then they queried the PG attribute table and you can see the field, the attribute number is one and the type ID is an integer. But then you can look at all the different columns that it adds to manage essentially this data stored within each row. So you can see the table object ID, the CMAX, the XMAX, CMIN, XMIN, CTID as well. And then they go through and they discuss the purposes of each of these hidden columns, essentially, system-managed columns for each of the tables. And then they interestingly came up with some use cases where you could actually use these to do some queries. Like, for example, they were using the uh, CTID column to eliminate duplicate records. They have a scenario where you could use this system column essentially to do that. So if you're interested in learning more about these 
system managed columns and how they could potentially be used, uh, definitely check out this blog post. The next piece of content is the PostgreSQL person of the week is Dimitri Fontaine. So if you're wanting to learn more about his work and contributions to Postgres, definitely check out this blog post. And the last piece of content is how to use logistic regression machine learning model with 2UDA, PostgreSQL and Orange, part five. So this is, of course, the fifth part about machine learning that has been presented on the secondquarter.com's blog. So if you're interested in learning more about that, check out this blog post. That does it for this episode of Scaling Postgres. You can get links to all the content mentioned in the show notes. Be sure to head over to scalingpostgres.com where you can sign up to receive weekly notifications of each episode. Or you can subscribe via YouTube or iTunes. Thanks.